Hello and welcome to the third in our series of World Changers. We're told that we are to humbly serve the poor. We're told that we're to be passionately committed to the lost. But possibly worst of all, we're told this is a mission for all of us. We're to work together. Is that even remotely possible? Well, let's start off by reading what St. Paul wrote to the early church in Corinth. So Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think less honourable we treat with special honour and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment but God has put the body together giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now it's a really well-known passage, and you may think that um, we've preached on it quite recently at Holy Baptist Church, and you'd be quite right. But it was one of the passages given to us in this series of world changes. And maybe it's a good thing that we're hearing it for a second time. If it's worth saying once, then probably most of us need to hear it a second time. And we need to look at that passage in context. Firstly, in the context of the sermon series. The series of the idea that we are world changers. Now that, of course is, when you think of it in a logical sort of way, a completely ridiculous idea that the local church, that Holy Baptist Church, can be part of something that will change the world. Surely, 
famous people, footballers, people that are on social media, film stars, politicians should be the people that have the power to make change. And to make that point even stronger, I've looked up the most some common Twitter users and here are some numbers for you. So Marcus Rashford, the footballer that's done so much around children's school lunches, has 4 million Twitter followers. So what he writes, up to 4 million people will read. Greta Thunberg, the climate um, activist, has 5 million Twitter followers. Tom Cruise, the actor, has 6 million. The person with most Twitter followers is Barack Obama, with 129 million people reading what he puts on Twitter. Now I looked at our church and I knew a few people were on Twitter, so I tried to find the most active Twitter user, the person with most followers in Hawley Baptist Church. I won't say who it is, but he has 123 followers. How on earth can we as a local church, even working together, become world changers? Well, of course, the fact is, we are, and that passage reminds us, we are the body of Christ. And that trumps everything. With Christ as our head, and we're reminded in Philippians chapter 4, that I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And we probably ought to take a second there and just stop and think about what it means to be the body of Christ. It's an expression we use at every communion service. We are the body of Christ. But do we actually stop to think what that means? We are doing Christ's work here in the community. Does that excite us? It certainly should. So this passage was also so it's around the context about being world changers. But we also need to know that this passage follows a passage about us having gifts and us all having different gifts that God gives us. And in my Bible, just before we read the bit about ears and feet and the rest of it, it has a bit that is entitled Unity and Diversity. And as a church, we are called to be unified and yet we are so different. So what has this passage got to say to us? Well, three things, and they all begin with the letter P. The first thing the passage teaches is that we have a common purpose. God gives us gifts and skills that are different to the person next to us because we have this unity of purpose. What is that purpose? Well, yes, it's to love our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. But it's also to heal the brokenhearted to open the eyes of the blind, to bring deliverance to the oppressed, to bring good news to the poor. It's an easy passage to read. And sometimes we think about what happens inside the church. It means that somebody can put the chairs out and somebody can do PA. And as a quick advert, yes, we do need some more people to help put the chairs out. And yes, we do need some more people to help with the PA. But I believe this passage is really around doing the work of Christ out there in our community. So we need a unity 
of purpose and we need to realize that we need each other and we need to respect each other or if you prefer your alliterations begin with an a we need to accept one another and we need to appreciate each other for what we can do and the fact that we are so different I want to use a football analogy and I'll probably continue the football analogy a little on. Um, I apologise if you're actually sick of the Euros. I apologise even more if the reminder of the hurt of a week ago is still a raw nerve. But one of the great things about the England football team, uh, the present England football team, that many journalists have said is that they have this common purpose. In the past, which Premier League team they play for seems to be more important than playing for their country. How what their personal successes were seemed um, to come onto the field as well as off it. And now people say that there are no egos in the England football team. That's maybe something as a church that we also can learn from football. So we need to understand our common purpose. The second thing that we need to understand is what our position is, to maintain the football analogy, what our position is within the body. If I was to ask you to name the England football team that played in the Euros, you would probably start with Harry Kane. He is our star striker. He has scored more goals per game than anybody since Jimmy Greaves in the 1960s. And in church life, if I was to ask you, well, funnily enough, they look so similar, don't they? Who is the, who is the star striker for Hawley Baptist Church? You might mention Martin. It's uncanny, isn't it? But if I was to go back to football and ask Gareth Southgate, the manager of the England football team, to name his team, yes, he would name the 11 people that started the match against Italy. Yes, he would name the subs that came on during the match. Yes, he would name the reserves that were in the 26-man squad who didn't actually play that evening. But he would also go on and mention people, I need to read these. He would mention Steve Holland, the deputy manager. He would mention Chris Powell and Graham Jones, the assistant coaches. He would mention Martin Margotson, the goalkeeping coach. He would mention Mike Baker and Daniel Parker, the performance analysts. He would mention Bryce Kavanagh, the fitness specialist and nutritionist. He would mention Steve Kemp, the physio. He would mention Dr. Ian Mitchell, the, fit, the psychologist. And no doubt he would go on and you get the point. The England football team is not just 11 players. And the good thing about the England football team is that everybody is working towards that common goal. Everybody knows what their position is and they're ready to use it. And the same thing goes for the church, we hope, that people know the gifts that God has given them. If that's not the case, please come and speak to one of the leadership team and we will happily try and tease that out. And of course, then the third point is we understand the unity of our purpose. We understand our position and I guess the third point is obvious, that we need to participate in the, in the job that is ahead of us. It would be no good if our star striker decided 
that actually rather than play for England, he'll sit on the sofa and watch. And the same thing happens in the local church at Hawley Baptist Church. God has given us gifts and we are to use them. And if we do, what can happen? Well, we can change the world. And we're already doing that in our home, in our locality, where we work, in our front line, using the God-given gifts that we have. We are bringing hope to the lost, not through fame and fortune, but through compassion, through care, through kindness, through boldness, through humble service. And the challenge, I guess, in that all that we are doing with Christ at our head, are we doing all that he would have us do? Is there something new? Is there an exciting challenge that with the help of Christ and the rest of the body working together, we can become even better world changers? Yeah.